This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Take a dose of every day. How am I supposed to stay in a world built on empty ways? The lessons of our Greetings from the Fly Fishing Show. It's Friday morning. Everyone's setting up. Just uh, helping out where I can. I got in last night. The drive pretty much sucked because I decided to take Route 1 north of Baltimore. And I don't remember it having so many traffic lights, but it did. So I spent an extra hour getting up here. It was rather an uneventful drive. And my booth is set up, waiting for people to show up. Going to have uh, some free time to walk around today. And I will hopefully get some good interviews with people and catch up, see what's new. There's some new boats here, some new fly guys. I want to talk to Cast Gear. I'm interested in buying one of their jackets. There's some new corkers material. Um, and I'm sharing my tying space with somebody. So I'm hoping that somebody in the tying community doesn't make it and I can go tie at their booth all day because I'd rather tie flies and share those with people than walk around for three days. I've already hit up Tight Lines Fly Shop from New Jersey. Went through their dollar bins last night. And then after we set up, everyone went over to the Doubletree Hotel for the American Fly Fishing Trade Association happy hour, where we got to hang out with people from 
like Dan from Bonefish Tarpon Trust and the guys from Healing Waters. Also, the Orvis people. So we got some scoop on the recons and, and flies and Orvis travel stuff. That was fun. They had uh, food for us, so dinner was covered. I had more sliced turkey and roast beef with gravy and dinner rolls than you can imagine. And from there, I uh, met up with Justin and we went back to the hotel and crashed early. So that's it for now. It's Friday morning. I'll keep walking around with this dat all weekend and, and see how things go. Well, greetings from late Friday nights. I just put away a bacon cheddar pretzel burger at the Ruby Tuesday with a side of chicken wing, no, chicken fingers. So today was a fun day. It was different for me not being with the Healing Waters booth. I was uh, at my tying station. And one of the issues was that the tying table was divided amongst four people. And it really only fits two people. So I wanted to tie all day and show my flies off to people. But I really couldn't do that because I only had half of a day to do that. So I was with Dave... Uh, Benoit or Benoit, depending on how you pronounce it. And we split up. I did the morning shift like 10 to 2, and then he did 2 to 6. Uh, it was nice meeting some podcast listeners and then also some Facebook friends I don't see too often. Joe Pettinger stopped by. I wasn't sure if it was him because I only see him maybe once a year. So I tied gutless frogs, and I went with the white Rainey's tube foam for them, and I'm tying them on size one Matsuo America worm hooks. I would like to announce officially on the podcast, I am now a pro staff member for Matsuo America. So I'm eagerly willing to share how ridiculously sharp these hooks are and strong. And they are now my, they have been my go-to before I was with them, hook for my curly tails, the reapers, and the gutless frogs. And I'm telling you, that gutless frog is probably easier to tie than making a peanut butter jelly sandwich. You can go, if you just put in gutless frog, my YouTube video should come up. It's Rainy's float foam, and there's maybe six wraps total of thread. And then you use Zuddy's leg puller, and you basically, it's like a giant needle, and you push it through the foam, put the rubber legs in the eye of the needle, and then pull the needle back through. And the hook rides up, it floats, it has crazy action in the water, and it's my go-to topwater pattern. I've been a fan, love my scorpion bug, but uh, the gutless frog is just too easy and fun to fish. And too easy and fun to make. So I did a bunch of those. And I did some bacon flies and some beetles and some reapers. And uh, that was it. That was about four hours of time. It went by fast. It was good to see all sorts of people coming through. And then I spent the rest of the day just walking around. Uh, I had the dat with me, but just really didn't feel like recording. So it was mostly just hanging out, talking to people. I'm interested in getting the cast gear, uh, hooded jacket, K-A-S-T gear. Their stuff is made by hardcore fishermen, and I returned my Patagonia jacket 
last week because it was just getting too many holes in it uh, in places that aren't even like worn through. So I returned that and used that money towards the jacket. And Courtney Boyce is here from Blue Halo Gear. Love his rods. Um, it's pretty crazy to see somebody take a fly rod and basically bend it into a circle and it not break. And his fiberglass rods are like that. Beautiful colors on them. If I'm going to get a fiberglass rod, I definitely want to get one of Courtney's. And he shaved. He's had probably the most epic beard and mustache you would recognize it if you saw it, if you don't follow at Blue Halo Gear. Um, but he shaved. He's clean shaven. And it took me about 30 minutes before he he kind of waved me down. It was like, dude. I was like, oh, my God. I did not rec. I, I was wondering if it was you, but I honestly had no idea. Because he had a foot-long um, beard, and he looked like that Cornelius guy from the Rudolph movies. That kind of beard. Uh Bought some hooks from Fly Shack. And then I went over to, well, actually, last night I went shopping and got a bag of material from Tight Lines Fly Shop in New Jersey. And I bought that and some more stuff today. I'm trying to think of what else I bought. I went over to Will Hersniak at Easter Trophies to get more tails for the Reapers. That was kind of the afternoon. Um, you know, hung out with Reba, Brinkman, hung out at the Orvis booth a little bit. Um, where else did I hang out? Alan, I think when I get a reel for myself next, I'm going to get an Alan reel. Uh, not just because Evan and AJ are just like the nicest dudes in the world and they do a podcast, but. Um, they're just really well designed. They're lightweight and their stopping power is insane. AJ actually showed me uh, a reel. He's he's like, this is what a, a, a uh, what do you call it? Snapped line smells like. And it was like, it was smoked. The actual, uh, God, I'm a little lethargic because I just ate all that. Um, what a, a bear would say is meat drunk. Um, the drag, when it's all the way tightened down, if you pull on the line, the line's going to snap before the drag goes out and lets more line out. And that was kind of the day, just walking around. I picked up uh, a new Stealthcraft boat cover from Mike and Scott because last week somebody decided to take a knife to my boat cover and slash the crap out of it like Freddy Krueger. So I had to reorder a new one of those. It's like, you know, the car one time dies, my boat gets hit by a drunk, and now somebody totally Fs with me and cuts up my boat cover. Uh, what else? Yeah, so then it was uh, happy hour with Project Healing Waters. So got to hang out with everybody there. The The family got together and got to see uh, Tamar and Richard, who were... New Yorkers and hang out with Ellen, the CEO, and then Ira and his wife came in. Uh, Dan and David were here, and then also Ed, the founder of C uh, P F P H W F F. He's the, I guess, the CEO. But uh, he grew a beard, and I did not recognize him until after breakfast this morning. Speaking of breakfast, Justin, by the way, put away like a healthy meal while the I had this gross breakfast. I don't know what patty. 
and the the eggs. I was wearing gloves when I left, so I didn't get a picture of the eggs, but it looked like a cartoon egg. It was basically like a white circle with a yellow circle on the circumference. It was just bizarre. So that's it. Uh, tomorrow, I'm actually going to hang out more at my booth in case people come by instead of wandering around. So I will tie fly standing up while Dave is in the middle right of the booth and then the other guys are on the left. And the lady next to me, her husband sells bamboo rods and she made some fantastic chocolate chip cookies. She brought them from California for us. And I haven't told the rest of the guys in line to tie flies that there are homemade cookies from a grandma because she's got grandkids. Grandma cookies are always just better. That is it. Um, yeah, I'm not going to get the burger again tomorrow night. Just wasn't enough going on. It was supposed to have like smoked bacon mustard and there was like a squirt. Like the amount that like a pigeon would crap. It wasn't like slathering in it. It uh, didn't have like donkey sauce on it like Guy Fieri would say. And that's it. Uh, we're supposed to get snow tomorrow. So hopefully Jason's going to make it up here. I think he said his dad might join us. Um, and then the Frogman Outdoors guys are stuck in D.C. because uh, interstates are going to be all dumped with ice and snow tomorrow. That's it. Uh, yeah, we'll check in tomorrow. We'll see who we can interview. And we will continue this, the third annual or fourth annual Somerset Fly Fishing Show podcast. Have a good evening. And now we're going to hear the sound of a trickling stream. All right, we got Travis Sand with us, appropriately named because he is from the island of the Bahamas. And today you experienced your first snow. What do you think of it? It's crazy, man. I came outside. I thought it was going crazy because yesterday was totally nothing, but yet today is totally white, like ghostly, man. <laughs> you wake up and everything's covered in snow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you make a snowball? Nah, man. My hands are totally numbed. <laughs> Did you write your name in the snow? Nah. Do you know how to do that? I wouldn't want to try, man. <laughs> you take it out and you pee and you write your name in the snow. Oh, yellow snow. <laughs> yeah. Don't eat the yellow snow. <laughs> nah, I wouldn't. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll make a snowman later. I'll show you. Them. Tell your daughter you made a snowman like from Frozen. Like Elsa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Have a good day. Hey, man. Can you take a big bite of sandwich? Well, we are now with the Allen guys. We're watching a pond Hi. hog. Here's Evan. How's it going? You may also recognize that voice from the Open Fly podcast. Oh, yeah. So is this the Shark Studio away from home? You mean the Shark Shack? Shark Shack. Totally the Shark Shack. Actually, well, uh, Shark is steelhead art, and we don't really have any steelhead art right here. But we do have some fart, fish art. I was about to say, because there is crop dusting going on. And we saw some of the Allen Reels at iCast. Now we have soft goods, some new colored rods, and some backpacks and stuff. Yeah, so this year Allen is getting into soft goods, like packs, shirts, jackets, pants, things of that nature. Uh, but if you look for them under the Allen brand, you might not find them. It's actually under a new brand called Xteris. So we actually have uh, some Xteris products on the Allen website now, but uh, not as many as we're going to have. We're kind of just getting going. The packs are the first of everything. Uh, our new jacket is on the website, but uh, you'll notice by, the, by March 2015 here, uh, we're going to have a pretty complete
complete lineup of uh, clothing and soft goods. How much of your input went in? Is there any features that you always wanted in a jacket or a, a, a backpack or hip pack that you finally got what you're looking for? Well, the jackets, the shirts, all that, the pants are pretty much my designs uh, start to finish. Nice. Yeah, so the, the, the packs though, uh, I, I'm in charge of the Xterris brand overall, but I'm getting some help. The, the packs and everything are being done by AJ here. Here's AJ and his sandwich. Hi. So. Hey, last night, Evan was balls deep in Homeless Guy. <laughs> Jason, if you want to throw that out, go for it. All right, what do we have with the rods? Um, anything new, notable? Yeah, so since last year, we've added the Volant series. Uh, Last year we had our XA series, which was in the same category, but uh, the XA series has been replaced by the Volant. The Volant is kind of a medium fast action, uh, workhorse type series, so if you want to go nymphing, streamer fishing, and all that in the same day, the Volant's kind of the one to do. Uh, if you just need a rod to do anything to throw in the drift boat or in the back of the truck to get you into any situation, that's the rod for it. Uh, step up from there, we have the Altus, which is also a medium fast action rod. It's a higher end version, so higher quality components, better cork. It's more of like a custom shop build, I guess you could call it. Uh, it's being built one by one by hand by one guy in Utah who's doing those. Same with our new Icon series. The Icon series was out last year, but we updated it. A uh, lot better blank now. Uh, being built in Utah as well. Uh, same situation, same guy. Uh, that's the more fast action, super lightweight, uh, real tip flex type. So, yeah, we're kind of running running them, uh, you know, from $99 up towards mid-500s for price point on those, so a little bit of everything. Let's say I want to go fishing for American Shad on the West Coast. What's my rod going to be? Uh, about a medium, fast action uh, bait casting rod. <laughs> or, uh, actually, uh, well, that is an excellent choice. Uh, I typically like, like about a six weight, a five to six weight for Shad on the Columbia River. Uh, the main problem you're going to run into is wind. Uh, you're legitimately looking at upstream winds of upwards of 40, 50 mile an hour gusts. So sometimes like an eight weight is necessary. And what's the amount of shad that go through the dam per day? Uh, shad in the Columbia River, you're looking at peak run like mid-late uh, June, somewhere between three and 400,000 a day. That's, if they could just funnel those back our way, <laughs> yes. the rivers would be like they were 300 years ago. Yeah, it's kind of funny because the shad are a transplant fish out west. So somebody brought them out there literally in a barrel on a train and dumped them in one of the rivers out there. And they kind of spread all over the west coast and really took over in the Columbia. And the sturgeon has thanked them ever since. So the sturgeon are very, very happy about the shad. They like to eat them a lot. Fantastic. Jersey salad everywhere. So can you explain, I was trying to, you know, tell people last night when I was sitting at Sonesta Suites with uh, prescription medication on the floor and bottles of water that somebody had left behind the previous tenants <laughs> and the light bulb hanging at a horizontal position instead of vertical from the lamp. I tried to tell them how AJ broke a fly line yesterday testing your drag. How does that work? 
Uh, so on our Omega Reel and our Kraken XLA as our most heavy duty drag system can pretty much go down to a full stop. Uh, we haven't tested it yet, but it's at least 40 pounds of pressure. So we crank it all the way down, grab the fly line, and AJ would run in the other direction while we uh, cranked it down, and the saltwater fly line would would just explode. And it, so you can smell how that plastic got, it literally got smoked. Yeah, the plastic on the fly line got smoked. Reel, totally fine. Awesome. Yeah, the same reel and a so it doesn't seem like in a practical application that would be necessary. Um, totally impractical. But AJ hooked into a 10-foot-long lemon shark, cranked down the drag, and got towed around in the boat with it. Uh, the only, like the one real practical application I have for cranking the drag down that much is lingcod where I live. They they're big fish. They come out of the rocks. They eat your fly and they dive back down into it. Uh oh. And you're on like a 10 or a 12 weight using 100-pound tests, so you need to crank the drag all the way down before you hook into them. So if you're just fishing there, crank the drag all the way down to a full stop. You hook into one, and you got just got to full stop them and keep them from going back into the rocks. Otherwise, you're screwed. So I use, I actually wanted that to lock down for one of like those types of situations. But you can always back it off for more practical fishing. It sounds like an awesome, awesome experience. It doesn't suck. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Keep up the good work with Alan and the Open Fly Podcast. Thank you. So now we're recording. Okay, we have Nick here with The Fly Shop. Introduce yourself, Nick. Yeah, uh, name's Nick Fasciano. I'm with The Fly Shop in Redding, California, and uh, I run our guide service and regional private water program. Fantastic. So how long has the shop been around? Oh, I think we are in our 37th year now, I want to say. Uh, it's about when I was born. Um, so I know you guys because you basically are one of the biggest online guys. Your catalog is everything you need. And now you do not only trips around California, other places, but Kamchatka has opened up. So let's talk about how great it is. Have you been there? Yeah, you know, I have not had the chance to fish Kamchatka yet. Um, I think Michael Crancy would be the guy to chat with there. But uh, as far as trout fishing goes, um, what I do know from it is it's the Holy Grail. You know, it's the last great wilderness, untouched, you know, a truly uh, stepping back in time kind of scenario where, where it's trout fishing the way you can imagine it would be in, in the lower 48, you know. Pre, uh, pre everything we've done to, to kind of hurt it, but you know it's it's definitely a, a one of a kind place, and um, it's it should be on the top of every trout fisherman's list for sure. Absolutely. Is this y'all's first time at this show? Yeah, yeah. First time out in New Jersey. Um, wanted to switch things up a little bit this year and, and see some new stuff, and uh, it's it's been great. And it's been you know you guys have a great turnout out here and a lot of really dedicated fly fishermen, and we're having a good show. It's it's uh, a lot less crowded because of the weather. Yeah. It's usually balls to walls here. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've heard. Everything it seems like that snow we got last night kind of kind of cooled it off a little bit, but but uh, it's all right. You know, it's still we're still having great turnout and good people and. And uh, I think you get the people that really are into it on the on the nasty days, right? Yeah. So, can you talk about how you guys have your own brand of fly rods and waders? Yeah. How that kind of separates you guys and lets the price go down oh, a bit? Totally. Yeah. I think that's been one of the big um, kind of knocks on the fly fishing game for a long time is the cost of getting into it. And what we're able to do there is is provide one of the best bangs for the buck in the industry in both the waders, rods, and reels um, as well. And and you know we can provide a really high quality rod for the customer um, our warranty is the best in the industry you know if you break it we take care of you for you know just pretty much what we have to pay to get the rod back to you we're not, not doing anything there more 
than we have to. And um, I fish them exclusively, and you know, and it's it's you know, we have spay rods now too. We just launched a new spay rod line that's just um, it's it's really got a lot of people excited because uh, some of your rods come with a second tip. All of them. All of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All of them are going to include a second tip, um, and that's just you know way we like to do it. There's no reason to get to wherever you want to go fishing and have the trip ruined by a bum, you know, something freak happening. So it's good to have that extra little bit of safety with you when you're when you're out. And now you guys work pretty darn close with Mike Mercer. Do you get to see his next flies before they're seen anywhere else? Yeah, Mike Mercer's in, in our travel department, so he's in the shop every day. Um, and you know, and he's he's a legend in his own time. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And uh, I don't know where he finds time to tie flies, but he does. He does a great job. And occasionally, yeah, you get you get to see some stuff that's pretty exciting. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's go talk to Mike about some firsthand experience on uh, Kamchatka. Yeah. Do you have to speak Russian to go there? Yeah. Ah, fantastic. All right. I won't. I only know the bad words after that. Um, so how how long does it take? Where, where do you guys take off from? What does someone need? There's two different ways to get there. The most popular way these days is the direct flight from Anchorage across to Petropavlovsk. Uh, and only a four and a half hour flight from Anchorage. Uh, from here in the East Coast, we still have quite a few anglers that will go through Moscow. It's not as bad as everybody thinks, and you get to combine some nice days in Moscow and see a beautiful city in the world. Um, once you land in Petropavlovsk, you clear customs, and uh, as soon as we get weather clearance, we hop in the helicopters and head into in camp. Are these the sketchy helicopters? They're some of the safest flying machines in the world. Yeah, they uh, have one of the best track records safety-wise. No, they are. They're actually used by 60 different countries in the world for search and rescue and military. So they're they're very safe machines. Very basic, but they're the workhorse of the skies. And a lot of just crazy like mouse patterns. Yeah, micing is one of the big draws there. You know, one of the, one of the things that sets Kamchatka apart from almost anywhere else in the world is is the way we get to fish for them with mice patterns and big streamers and dry flies and there's no reason to bring a plastic bead or a nymph or an indicator. You get to have fun. These fish are aggressive predators. They're the dominant predators in their ecosystem and they don't just eat, they kill. They don't eat, they kill. That that's is, is that on a shirt? I think I just made it up. You but. guys totally need like just a hat, Kamchatka, they don't eat, they kill. Um, bears, do they also eat and kill? No, the, the neat thing about the bears there is, is they're not accustomed to people like they are in Montana and so many other places. So typically, if they do have an interaction with people, they're, they're getting hunted because the Russians hunt them for sport. It's a big business over there. So if we see a bear nine times out of ten, they're running the other direction. Um, if, the, if they don't do that, we leave. <laughs> and we're very careful with that. Every camp has a dog. Um, the dogs are the best bear defense we have over there. They're a special breed called the Laika. And they're literally born and bred for generations just to chase bears. They hate them. Laika was also the first dog in space. Trivia. <laughs> and the name of my brother-in-law's former uh, animation studios in, in Oregon. Didn't know that. Laika Studio. Learned something new every day. <laughs> uh, maybe that was in Texas. I don't know. Otherwise, uh, Jason, you can cut that out. So what, what does someone need to pack to go to Kamchatka? Big rods? Big tippet? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the lightest tippet we ever fish is uh, 15 or 12 pounds. So 
Um, we, you don't need to go light. These fish typically have never seen a fly before. They don't, they're not going to be tippet shy. You're throwing stuff that's abrasion resistant, not for them being spooked. Exactly. Yeah. You want, if you put, if you put your mouse in the tree on the other side, you want to be able to uproot the tree to get it out so you don't lose your fly. You're not worried about the fish. And on some of these rivers, the fish are quite large. I mean, there's Jupanova. We're fishing seven and eight weight rods. The six weight's not going to handle these fish at all. You know, they're they're big and mean. And the steelhead, they get tagged in Kamchatka? The Kamchatka Steelhead Project is one of the most important scientific projects in the world when it comes to steelhead. Most of what we know about steelhead has come out of this project. Um, and so every it's, it's actually the only way we're legally allowed to fish for them there. Steelhead are protected in Russia in the Red Book. Um, but through this scientific pro process in cooperation with Moscow State University, uh, we're able to go fly fish for them, catch and release. Every fish is tagged, studied, measured, and released unharmed back into the wild. And accommodations, you guys just, you know, vodka, plov, pimieni at night. You guys, I mean, you said the camps. Can you explain, like, the living situation? Uh, in Kamchatka, we have really the gamut of situations. Everything from a full-service lodge to wilderness floats where you're just pitching a tent in somewhere that's probably never been slept in before. Um, to in between, we have some permanent camp floats where we have actually cabins, nice cabins on the river, hot showers, toilets, uh, but you're still roughing it a little bit. <laughs> if this is not on someone's bucket list, do you question that person's fishing intentions? Yeah, there's probably something wrong with them if they don't want to go over there and do it. Because <laughs> it's it's some of the best trout fishing uh, you'll ever see. And, and nobody really can, can believe what it's like over there until they've been and seen it for themselves. Now, I'm assuming that you don't have litter. It's pretty pristine, clear water. If you see a trail on the side of the river, it's from a bear. Yeah. I'm living in the wrong place. <laughs> Where can we find you guys online? Where can people get the catalog? Uh, you can just go online, www.theflyshop.com. Uh, everything we sell in the store is there, and then some. Uh, everything that's online is in the store, and uh, all of our travel destinations are there as well. And you can sign up to get the catalog. It's the only real, true fly fishing catalog left in the world. Yeah, it's, I tell you, it's porn. It's, I get that in the mail. It's like, all right, see you guys. I'm going to go sit in the reading chair with the lamp and go through. And I have probably 11 years worth in a plastic bin just so I can go back and reference the flies for stuff I'm going to tie. I think the favorite feedback we get, and we get this quite a bit, is guys will come up to us at a show somewhere like this and say, oh man, love your guys' catalog. I get so much in the mail all year long. This is the only one that my wife lets me keep next to the shitter 12 months out of the year. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, I wish I could get two so I could have one to store and then one that gets beaten up with fingerprints and coaster rings on it. We can do that for you. Yeah. Many as you want. Any social media that you guys are on? Yeah, we're uh, on Facebook and Twitter. I think that's it. Fantastic. All right, well, thank you so much. I'm glad you guys can make it. All right, thank you. Glad to be here. All right, buddy, thank you. All right, so we're at Cast Gear. Uh, I just returned my Patagonia jacket because it's not up to my standards, and I'm getting the Cast Gear jacket. Which model am I looking at? This is the Hellraiser, the hooded Hellraiser. And it's made by hardcore fishermen, so I know it's going to hold up. Yeah, absolutely, Rob. We put a lot of time and effort into it, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of cool features. Hood's really super articulated, um, super durable ripstop nylon shell, so definitely going to hold up. What's the insulation? 60 gram Primal Loft Golds. So, as far as synthetics go, top of the line, you can't get any better than Primal Loft. And I'm gonna stand up to all sorts of just wear and tear. 
Hurricane, man. I know how you roll. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. What else is new so far? Uh, a couple of new jackets, obviously a bunch of new gloves, uh, new summer line pants, shorts, guide shirt, new tech tops, bunch of new stuff coming. And how's this ventilation work on the shirt here? We've got some side piping built into it. Um, obviously, it's a lightweight four-way stretch uh, material to begin with, but um, lots of lightweight uh, venting on the side, down the sleeves, also uh, on the back of the pits and on the chest area there. Fantastic. Uh, and the gloves, I love, the, you got your trigger finger and your thumb. Absolutely, so you got the lightweight fleece version, which is a trigger, uh, we call it the Raptor Trigger. Um, of course, we got the steel head. Everybody knows the steel head glove, submersible, waterproof, breathable. Um, but then on top of that, uh, we introduced the MX Pro glove this year that is uh, the baby brother to the steel head. It's uh, about 25% lighter, same waterproof, submersible technology, and uh, different cut, more feel, awesome. How does somebody know if they're a flat build hat guy? Um, well, you know, that's a good question. It's, uh, it takes a lot of talent to rock the flat bill. Basically, if you're not a flat bill, you take the flat bill and you bend it in half and you're golden. Like the frat boys like to put a rubber band on it and then stick it in like a pint glass to get that real good bend on it. <laughs> there you go. That's yeah. what you got to do. That's, that's too extreme for me. Yeah, that's what you got to do. All right. Where can we find you guys online and then social media? Uh, social media, obviously on Facebook, uh, Cast Gear, um, Cast Extreme Fishing Gear, uh, Instagram, and of course, castgear.com. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to that jacket. Mother Nature, bring on the weather. <laughs> All right, song with Ben Bullis of the American Fly Fishing Trade Association. I pronounced it right, correct? Bullis. Bullis. I wasn't sure. Okay, so what is AFTA's involvement with the fly fishing show besides that sort of the gathering of the clan? Everyone's here to talk and plan for ICAST and other things? We don't really have a formal um, position here. We're just walking around and talking to manufacturers and retailers, and it's a great indication of the health of the industry, to be honest with you, the amount of people that are here yesterday and today. And Denver show was really well attended, and uh, everyone I speak to, retailers and manufacturers, they're... Uh, they're really busy. Looking That's forward to a good year. And do you think the snow affected today? I think it did this morning. And uh, hopefully tomorrow we get more people at the show. That's the plan. All right. And where do you live now? I live in Bozeman, Montana. It's just so cruel. I, I guess it's better than living in the city. Dude, I was offering the guy from Sims. I was like, if you ever want to move to D.C., he's like, dude, I lived in Baltimore, and I almost got divorced because I lived there. He's like, we said, screw that, and we're in Bozeman now. Yeah, it'd be tough to live in a city, especially D.C. with traffic coming from Bozeman, where you can drive across town in five minutes. I can do about one mile in five minutes, <laughs> if I'm lucky, if there are no lights. Yeah, I know. When I go to D.C., that's one thing I really despise about it, is sitting in traffic. We'll go fishing next time. Definitely. All right, dude. Sounds keep, good. Keep, keep walking. All right. Thanks. Yeah, dude. All right. So let's talk about the Flycraft boats. There's been a crowd here for the last, I don't probably all two days so far. It's been crazy. It took me three hours to eat a sandwich today. Damn. All right. I'm going to say this is probably the most versatile boat I've ever seen. There's a humpback whale that you're taking the boat by. You're putting it down rocks. We're watching flat screens. Uh, putting it over fences, going under bridges. Tell me about this boat. What's your elevator speech? So this boat, we feel, is the most versatile, versatile boat out there, as you said. Um, this thing is a still water machine. It's narrow design, makes it track really well, and still water as well as slow moving rivers. But due to our 
extreme rocker and the bow and stern, it's going to spin on a dime in those boulder fields as well. This guy is just as at home chasing roosters in Baja, muskies, smallies in still water as it is on your classic drift boat rivers or running those little micro creeks that used to just be walking wade rivers or maybe, you know, your smaller craft that you, you couldn't stand and fish out of. All of a sudden you can approach those, those small little rivers that don't have a uh, boat ramp. You can draw a banker and treat them like they're a drift boat river. Our, our anchor system is internally run, it's very clean. You'll notice one thing about our boat is everything was specially designed for fly fishing. Everything's very clean. There's not much that you can tangle your line up on. No D-rings on the inside. So when you're stripping, you're not catching on anything. It's very, very stable, although small enough to sneak into all those tight little spots. Go under bridges, you name it. Yeah, there's a little blondie going through the bridge there. Exactly. Yep, that's Lindsay. People always want to know if she comes with the boat. <laughs> um, so how, what's the length and width? Is it just one model? Right. So right now we offer one boat model. It's 12 feet long, 46 inches wide. It's 98 pounds, the frame, the bucket seats, you name it. So you don't need a truck. If you have a truck, cool, but you don't need to spend the gas money to trailer this boat around. I personally have a Subaru. I drag this boat, literally drag it, because it can take it. It's reinforced on the bottom with PVC skid plates. So I'll drag it across my yard, I'll grab the front end, put the front end up on, the, up on my car, I'll walk around to the back and swing the back end up as well. And now just two straps like you would with a canoe or a kayak and you're rolling. But if you do want to go on a longer road trip somewhere, you can just break it right down, throw it in your trunk and you know save even more gas efficiency. How small does this break down? It looks like a backpack some guy was hauling. Oh yeah, so you know, um, we'll we'll throw this in bush plans. We'll we'll check it on our plans going down to Mexico. As you can see in the picture, which you know I guess won't really relate in this uh, interview here, but it breaks down pretty small, and you can load it on two people can share the load on their back. So if you want to hike into a ro remote pond or something like that, you're good to go. This thing is ridiculous. Well, thanks, Rob. Yeah, so I'm uh, really impressed with uh, people's response. Yeah, you guys have um, definitely garnered some interest here. Are you guys are you selling them? We are selling them. What uh, what we do is uh, people want to buy the boat. Uh, we end up shipping it out from Utah, where we're based, right out of Salt Lake City. Is that where you're located? Yep. We've been getting some beer from uh, from, from Salt Lake City recently. That's awesome. It's really hoppy. Is it hops rising? Unita Brewing? You, uh, yeah, you went to brewing. Yeah. Yeah, some good stuff. You know, a lot of people don't really think of Salt Lake as a place that has good beer right. with some of, uh, you know, the connotations there. We got great beer in Salt Lake, so, oh yeah. And you also had, some guy was just going down like, he was sledding with it in one of these videos. Oh yeah, you know, if you want to mess around and sled, do whatever, I mean, she can handle the abuse. What's the most outboard HPs you'd recommend. Now that has they're cruising. You guys are cruising right there. Mm -hmm. Now that has been the question in the last few shows. So apparently, I need to do some more R and D on the biggest that I can take. I will say, we love that little Honda 2.3 gas outboard. Uh, being a 98-pound boat, a 2.3 horsepower engine makes this thing haul. Although you can still go your little putt putt speeds. If you have electric mo trolling motors kicking around as well, I mean they work perfect. Our our motor mounts universal, so you can put your electrics, your gas outboards, you name it. And I, and if you're not doing that, you're rowing. So you got some. Uh, what do you call that? Like a teardrop shape. 
the yeah. big paddle? Yeah, so, um, you know, we do offer various ore options, uh, the Carlisles, the Cataracts, and the Sawyers, although I will say the Sawyers are our favorite. They have that teardrop spoon blade there. They have an amazing amount of uh, leverage, even in shallow water. And they're very stiff, so, you know, when you make a stroke, the boat responds instantly instead of waiting for the oar to bend. Fantastic. Uh, social media? Yeah, check out our, our Instagram. Uh, all sorts of great content on that. We have a YouTube channel, um, our Facebook, and then flycraft.com or flycraftusa.com. You can find all of our YouTube videos. As you can see, we kind of geek out on our photography and our filming. We like to film a lot and make videos. So you want to see us chasing roosters and dorados down in Mexico, fishing for bass, running any trout streams, maybe even just sledding down a hill in the winter. We got videos on our YouTube channel and our website, which again was flycraftusa.com. You just showed a cactus? Was it flipping the bird? Was the cactus flipping the bird? You know, I think that one is all perspective. That cactus, look at it next time. It's giving the middle finger. <laughs> I will check that one out. I haven't noticed it. Yeah, and if you guys need somebody to help, you know, product test that extra horsepower, just give me a call. Rob, it sounds like you might be the guy for it. Oh, fantastic. All right, thanks so much, and let you guys get back to selling stuff. Right on. Thanks, Rob. Okay, we are now with Jeff Courier. Do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, Jeff Courier from Victor, Idaho. So you kind of a jack-of-all-trades, traveler, artist. You've done some films. How does this all sort of come to fruition in your fishing career? Uh, pretty much all by accident, you know. I started at the, the bottom of the of the chain there, working in a fly shop like a lot of 20-year-olds do, and instead of jumping into that real job, just kept at it, did the instruction, was a guide, and next thing you know, I was managing the shop because I wanted to fish more. And that sounds weird, but when you're a guide, you don't fish much. I figured that out pretty quick in my career. And uh, luckily, I was in a very prominent shop in Jackson, Wyoming, met a lot of the right people. A lot of people came through that store, and you know, things just happened. Have you always been an artist? Uh, yeah, I was definitely uh, the kid that got a lot of detentions in, in seventh and eighth grade for drawing on the desk. Is there a certain medium you prefer? Yeah, I'm a watercolor artist, but I do pen and ink over my stuff, which, uh, you know, just to get the fine detail on the eyes and fins, and, you know, that all happened by accident, too. I just one day picked up the pen and put it over one of my watercolors and said, you know, that's pretty cool. Are there any are these species that you've caught or that you just want to... You find it's interesting and you want to paint them. Yeah, I think I've caught just about every one of the species I offer. I mean, I'm looking around here. There's only one I see that I haven't as I painted an albacore for a guy a couple years ago, and I have not caught an albacore on fly. They're pretty nuts. I've only landed one. Yeah, well, I need to get one. Maybe you can help me out. We'll yeah. talk about that after. Parker's Island. Um, so you've done the movies. You went down to was French Guyana? Uh, not French, just Guiana. Guiana. Yep, I was down. We didn't film there. I was just down there um, in November. I got an opportunity to go at a you know very reasonable price to help with the tagging project that was uh, um, done through the Shed Aquarium by Leslie Lasu Lasuza De Souza. And it was after Ara Paima. Yep. I yep. said that correctly. World's largest scaled fish. Epic trip. We didn't catch a lot. We didn't expect to catch a lot, but uh, my buddy and I got seven. We got some big ones, up to 80 inches. So what's it like seeing a fish that big for the first time? <clears throat> um, well, it's, it's pretty amazing. It's like seeing your first grizzly bear. It's wildlife. It's no longer a fish. It's wildlife. 
only you're hooked and attached to it. You better be prepared to handle it. What kind of tackle were you guys using? I was using a 12 weight, um, one of the Winston saltwater rods, the SX, and uh, scientific anglers made me an intermediate line that had an 80 pound core. So, which is because we're we're cheating a little. We're using straight 100 pound test. It's the only way you're going to land a fish that big in the jungle. And uh, so then we didn't have to worry so much about the lines breaking, which is always an issue because you know most lines can't handle that much torque, that much pressure. Did you experience any of the rum down there? We had a Venezuelan neighbor who had Guyana rum, and we would drink that out of Bordeaux glasses. It was awesome. Yeah, no, we uh, we definitely at night tried some of the rum and as long as as well as a few of the brewskis. And you also, uh, so you got the cliff boxes here that you paint on, and those are prizes on the Ellen Fly Fishing, or not, what am I going to say, the Open Fly Podcast. So I guess, do you know, they, they give them away as prizes? Yeah, on occasion. They get used for a lot of different things. I just did one for the Bonefish Tarpon Trust that they'll give away at their banquet next year. And, um, but yeah, mainly it's just one of my gigs, you know, that I sell at the show. We're sitting here in Somerset, and yesterday I did seven of these things while people waited for They bring them, bring me their boxes, or they buy one from me, and I put any fish they want. Fee for that? Yeah, I charge people 35 bucks. Okay. If I get, if I end up doing 10 a day, it's going to 50, so if you want one, you got to hurry up and get on it. And when you sign them, and I'm assuming these people probably aren't putting their names in them, do you ever get lost boxes sent to your house because your name's signed on them? They think it's yours? Hasn't happened yet, but I know it's going to happen. Any fish you prefer to paint more than others? Um, I would have to say for painting, I love I love doing uh, Snake River Cutthroats, I love doing Peacock Bass, and I love doing False Albacore, a couple of my favorites. Where can we find you online, any social media? JeffCourier.com, and you just got to spell the last name right, C-U-R-R-I-E-R. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you very much. So let's do it. We'll so with Landon Mayer here, how is uh, Jersey treating you? Wonderful. It's um, nice to be up here at the show, see everybody uh, attend the events and see seminars. And it's a great place to be in the industry and, and a lot of enthusiasm at the show, so it's been great. Is this your first time at Somerset? It is, yeah. First time at Somerset. Attended other shows and clubs, and it's it's a lot of fun. I've, I've heard so many great things about not just the amount of anglers, but how serious everybody is. So it's a great teaching venue. Any fishing you're going to do while you're on the East Coast? Not this time. I will be back. Last year I was able to come up and hit the Little J and Big Spring and Spring Creek in Pennsylvania. So I'll be back again for sure. And it was nice to hit the sulfur hatch and some of the dries everybody talks about. If you had ever seen what Big Spring was back in the day, it was disgusting. The, the nutrients coming out of the hatchery. Yeah. You had like four pound brook trout facing downstream and sideways. Oh my God. They were just so fat and lethargic. They didn't go like face upstream. They didn't right. have to. Right. No, it was great. I had a chance to get a brookie in and see some of the great fish and honestly just test some of the strategies from west coast to east coast and selective trout and you know it was really nice to see it. It was refreshing. How's the dream stream doing these days? Um, it's good. The The challenge we've had lately is flows, conditions moving into different seasons. We're, we're at about 107% snowpack and we're looking at good flows and we still have snow to come in March and April so I think it's going to be a good flow year and good migration and movement for the trout so keep our fingers crossed. Now are you as upset with me that, uh, as I am, that Rita's homemade tamales moved over to Fair Play? From Hartzell? <laughs> yes. Yeah, the movement there, that's that's definitely a blow for many, many anglers and people in the area. But at least there's still 
in the state. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> See, we're, we're up in Breckenridge, so it's right. on the way there and the way back. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, as long as it's still around, that's good. But yeah, when they move, it's sad to see, for sure. Did you sign a lot of books this weekend? I did. It was great. We did a lot of books. Um, had a chance to display the new book, 101 Trout Tips, and everything's been good. I mean, seeing the attendance and people taking notes at seminars and everybody shaking hands. It seems like there's a really good vibe and energy this year. Just not here, but just the industry in whole. So I'm happy to see that. We're on the up and up. A lot of people from like social media coming by. There is, yeah. Uh, social media is a big thing now. I think anglers knowing what's available to them, and now more information than ever to where you know you can see something posted on Facebook or Instagram and know somebody you've always read their material is going to be at a show, and now you have a chance to meet that person one on one, which is huge. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been reading your stuff and following you for years, so Thank just you, seeing man. you right at the table, I was just like, I got to grab him for the podcast. Uh, yeah, and no, I appreciate the support, and it's always fun. I mean, this is a sport of giving back and I think if we continue that and what we've been taught by legends and greats in our industry, we continue doing that moving forward, we're all going to be in good shape. Excellent. Any places uh, you got like on your bucket list you haven't been to yet? Yeah, bucket list, um, and actually I'm going to fulfill one of the, the lists, uh, the bucket list, and that's going to be the Biloxi Marsh. I'm going to do some red fishing with uh, good friend Jay Nichols here coming up next next two or three weeks, so that's going to be a good one. Fantastic. Yeah. You, do you do much saltwater fishing at all? I've done a lot. In my in my early 20s, I was moving around like a madman. I did some guiding up in Alaska on the Knack River and traveled down with some of the, the money we made up there and did trips for tarpon. I've done a fair amount of salt. I've done the blue water stuff for roosters and tarpon in the flats and bones and yeah that was all in my blood and got it out early before uh, family and love and wife so <laughs> that came later but yeah it's nice. I haven't been to the salt for about three years so I'm, I'm glad to have the experience again. I imagine fishing up on the Dreamstream casting and wind for you is not an issue. No, no you get used to the wind and you know the buffs are lifesavers covering your ears and your face but wind and cold I'm used to and you know I'll take the heat any day of the week, but yeah, wind is not an issue. So learn how to adapt and adjust to it. It's, it's a big deal. What's your uh, what's your go-to gear up there? Rods, reels? You know, honestly, I think the biggest thing is the quality reel. I mean, rods do play a big part, but there's so much of the short game going on that if you have a good reel with a smooth drag and can test the elements, you know, it's not, not uncommon in spring conditions to be negative seven. And if your reel freezes up, you need to know that you can heat it up, adapt and adjust, get the ice off and keep going at it. So I, I I think smooth reels. I'm I'm a fan and supporter of Ross reels. They're back in Montrose, Colorado. They're proven and tested tough, so that's my go-to on the water. I was fishing the little jay back in Christmas of 2000, and I my reel froze. And I went to crank down on it, and the handle broke off. Yes. It was minus four. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a big deal. I. My cold trip to start this year, New Year's Day, I went up to fish with a friend and it was negative 17 when we showed up in the parking lot. And the only reason we went out is because he traveled such a long way. But same thing, frozen frozen reels, frozen rods, eyelids, I mean, waders freezing up on you. It's, you want to make sure that they can be tested in every element. So that, that reel plays a big, big part. What other spots in Colorado do you fish? Any favorites that you are willing to give up? Um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's really any favorites or secrets really to, you know, talk about or even mention because the whole state is is just a huge offering. My biggest thing I'm doing lately is a lot of still waters. There's so many still waters in the state and abroad throughout the U.S. that anglers don't hit that I think you can get better reactions from the trout and also some of the bigger trout that are unpressured or untouched. So any still water in the state that offers great fish, I'm, I'm usually hitting it. 
All right, well, I could probably ask you questions all afternoon, but uh, can I just see the ink before we go? Yeah, no. I want to get a picture of that, too. Absolutely. The brown trout stuff. Yeah. That is awesome. You had that in... It was a magazine when I was out west. Yeah. You just had your forearms out. And I was yeah. like, that's yeah. serious fishing tat. It is, yeah. It's in the blood, is why I tell people. Nice. <laughs> Where can Absolutely. we find you online? Um, find me online. I'm on uh, my Facebook page, Land and Mare Fly Fishing, uh, Land and Mare Fly Fishing on YouTube, and my website, landandmare.com. Right, and sign up for the regular emails. Yeah, sign up for the newsletter on the website. If you do that, I, I give a free guide tip every month, and I list the events and various places I'll be speaking at. So if you get a chance, check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much. Cool. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. I'll give you my card. Uh, I'll have Landon has it. So, John, uh, from the horse's mouth, I've been wondering this for... 20-something years. How do I pronounce your last name? Girok. Girok. And how are you finding the Jersey Show? Uh, it's huge. It's huge and hectic, and uh, I would say it's um, third to half again bigger than Denver. Really? There was a guy who had like 14 books for you to sign yesterday. I thought that was a little time-consuming. Were you pretty quick now at just signing your name? Yeah, um, but you know there were there were a lot of people here yesterday and today, and a lot of them had stacks of books, and I'm fine with that. Um, that's why I'm here. I came here to sign books, so the more books, the the more successful I feel, right? I would have brought some, but mine are all in storage. So um, I thought it was stereotypical too. You had a cup of coffee with you. That seems to be one of the main themes in in all of your books. Yeah, I do like coffee, um, especially since I quit drinking some years ago. Good for you. So it's like, yeah, coffee Coffee took the place of that. And you I, mentioned... I have, I have to say the coffee uh, at the show isn't the best coffee I've ever had, but it gets the job done. It does have caffeine in it. Now, can you recount the story of, this one's always interests me, of the frozen prairie dog out on a frozen lake, if you can remember that one. Yeah, I remember that. I didn't say much about it because it was really not a pretty picture. But I just, I mean, what was a prairie dog doing out frozen to the ice on the middle of a frozen lake? But um, that was so pathetic, I don't even like to try to remember it because... But I'd like to, I always tell people when I hear bagpipes, the, the, the story you were in Ireland, Scotland maybe, salmon fishing, Scotland. they either make you want to cry or fight. And I've used, you know, that may have been a derivation of it, but I've used that line more times since college than I can remember. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, um, they're very, it's very sentimental music. You know, it's played at funerals and stuff, but bagpipes, the origin of bagpipes is that they played them going into battle to scare the oppo their opponents. We had a guy in college who would play them before rugby matches on top of a hill overlooking the rugby field. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah, you totally see it. That that was the original purpose was to intimidate your rivals. Fantastic. So are you going to do any fishing while you're on the East Coast? Or are you going to save that for warmer days? No, I'm going to do one more day at the show and then uh, I'm going to leave early and fly back. Okay. So we, we spoke briefly yesterday about you're fishing north of the border. That seems, you know, the current fly rod and reel, if you're listening to this now, uh, has a whole story about the float planes and the weather. And you mentioned that it's like fishing the way it was down here a long time ago. Can you go more into that? 
Well, uh, it really pretty much speaks for itself. It's There's nobody up there. Uh, the fishing hasn't been trashed by too many fishermen. Um, it's hard to get around. In fact, it's really hard to get around in Labrador. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's what, you know, I started years ago, I started going to British Columbia because it was what Montana used to be. And now I've kind of going farther. I've been up in the uh, Northwest Territories and Nunavut and, and out to Labrador. And, um, you know, it's just, that's the kind of thing where if you can do it, I, I'm able to do it. So I want to do it. I want to see that stuff. Absolutely. And plus, I don't, I mean, people always say, why don't you go down and, and fish salt water? And I just don't like hot weather. That might be the best answer. Well, it's as simple as that. I mean, I've done some of it, and it's it's beautiful, and the fish are impressive, and uh, uh, an amazing variety of saltwater fish you can get into with a fly rod. I mean, the people who think it's just tarpon and permit and bonefish, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. But I just, I, I've always been physically uncomfortable. Um, I remember a morning in Labrador, or not in Labrador, uh, down in southern Baja, the deal was you get up at dawn and go get your coffee and watch the sunrise over the Sea of Cortez. And it's like, so we're watching the sunrise, and it's like 95 degrees. At sunrise. At sunrise. That's why I don't saltwater fish. I love, we live in D.C. where it's just nasty and humid. My in-laws are in Breckenridge. Mm -hmm. And I love how you can go up there in the summertime and in July, you got to wear a sweater. And I also like how food doesn't go bad up there because there's no moisture. Chips yeah. don't go stale. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they do eventually, but not like out here. And you can get above some of the biting insects out in the West. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can. Although... Uh there's, I've been in places in, in Colorado uh, where the bugs are as bad as they are in Alaska. So you have to pick your spot. I once pulled up to a spot on the Colorado River and the mosquitoes, before I could park the car, my windows were covered with mosquitoes. They knew I was in there. Yeah, yeah, they smell you. Yeah, I, I turned around and went down and uh, fished the dream stream until sunset and then woke up, did the trico hatch, went to work. Yeah. I miss it out there. You're so lucky to, to live out there. It's nice country, you know, it's getting it's getting more populated. When I moved to Colorado in the late sixties there were two million people and now there's five million. And every one of those new three million people owns a fly rod. Yeah, I just my friends tell me the stories about going out on seventy on a weekend is just the traffic, it'll take you four hours just to go, you know, a couple miles. It can. Um, part of it is because that's not a very good road. But, that you know, that's like, that isn't fishermen. I mean, there's probably fishermen in there. But in the winter, it's skiers. And in the summer, it's tourists. Um, uh, it's not, you know, there aren't as many fishermen as there are skiers. So at least there's that. Right. But there may be someday. I mean, it's like it's not like we're able to make new trout streams to make room for everybody. Are there any major issues you're seeing, or things that have changed in, in the environment and the fishing over the years? Well, yeah, just the fact that there's more people doing it. 
And um, you know how fishing pressure impacts a fishery. You know, fish gets spookier. Uh, some of them, we're starting to see fish now that are their mouths are all torn up and. Um, and uh, you know, in places there's fewer fish. There's always, even in catch and release water, there's always mortality. So yeah, you you can see it. I mean, there's still a lot of really good water. Has there been more privatization of water? Well, there's always that. There's always that move. Uh, people people want to close water, but I, you know, I don't think it's bad. Um, what I've noticed is water that there's a lot of water out there that used to be it's always been privately owned but it used to be just be able to go on it's like people didn't care but now there's kind of so many fishermen they're posting it or you know in, uh, in the case of really nice rivers um, a whole a whole new class of richer class of people is buying the property and closing it because that's just what they do all right, well, it looks like my time's up. We got some more people. So uh, thank you for your time and just keep writing. Yeah. Uh, of course, what else am I going to do at this point, right? All right. Well, I'll look for you next time I'm out there. If I see you on the stream, I'll buy you a cup of coffee. Okay, fair enough. All right. Well, I can regale you about how yesterday went and tell you all about the fun we had at night. I'll do that later. It's Sunday morning. It's... Uh, it's about noon, which means my time to tie is up, which is unfortunate because now I'm starting to actually sell some flies. Um, I will go around. I need to buy hooks at Fly Shack and get some other materials. Hopefully I don't spend too much money because I want to get maybe a, a nice Jersey sandwich on my way out, not a Jersey salad. So we will walk around with the dat. We meaning, I guess, just me and you because you're with us, I guess, audio and we'll find out what everyone is up to. So stay tuned. We'll have some fun today. Okay, we have Bill, and he is with Ontario Canada, the new fly fishing TV show? Yes. Yes, it's the new fly fisher. The new fly fisher. What station does that air on? It's on WFN and on PBS. We don't have WFN. I get PBS, but I don't think I get it on PBS. It's available. You just got to check with with your station. It's uh, We send it to a main PB, PBS station, and then it's put out to all the rest of the PBS stations. And next to us are, from this side, the mounts aren't colored, so you would think that they're some kind of salmon, but if you go to the other side, they are brook trout. How large are these mount or replicas? Uh, these are replicas, and the fish were actually released alive. And uh, the top one is nine and a half, and the bottom one's ten and a half. And you said they get so large because they're fed. Uh, they feed on smelt. Yes. The, uh, where they came from was uh, the Nipigon River in northern Ontario, and Lake Nipigon is the one of the last places in northern North America where they commercially fish for smelts. So there's heavy smelts all through. And what happens is the smelts go down into the river system, and there's three dams on the river power dams, and they get sucked into the turbines, get chewed up, and these fish sit below there and just eat pieces of fish. And it's they're very high in calories, and that's why they get so big. Do people go down there with smelt chum flies? Uh, no, what, what we've been using down there, most of it's fly fishing that we do there, and we swing up. Uh, Emerald shiner patterns, but uh, as, as slow as you can, def, dead drifting almost with uh, poly leaders, uh, some sort of sinking leader, just to get it under the surface. But you don't, you don't have to strip it back at all. Just swing it. 
What sort of rod setup are you guys using for these? I, I, I was using a number eight weight because you, you can get them quite large there. Uh, a five pound fish is, is, is normal there. So. And the colors are just probably insane. Well, the colors at the beginning of the year are darker, but as, as they get closer to the spawn, which is in the fall, they, they color up like these ones are. Belly gets red, and, and uh, yeah, they're pretty spectacular. So when I say, you know, a big brook trout where I'm from is like the size of a, a steak fry, mm -hmm. that's just comical to you? Well, no, I, I was the same way around my house before I had the, the luxury of going to these places. Uh, a 14-inch brook trout, that's, that was a bragging fish. Now, that you, if you get a 14-inch brook trout, one of these will try to eat it. Do you know the old story about Daniel Webster and the brook trout? I've not heard. Uh, <laughs> apparently, he caught, like, the biggest brook trout of all time back in the day. Um, and I imagine it looked like one of these things. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. These, these are quite large. Uh, we're, these were taken isn't too far away from where the world record was taken in 1914. I don't think these things have got teeth on them. Like yes. big teeth. Yeah. Brook trout are killers. When they, when they strike, there's no, no doubt. They strike, everything is a dead stop, and then they turn and run. They don't leap like a steelhead, but they bulldog, and they'll go into your backing two or three times. Fantastic. So let's say somebody wants to book a trip. Are you guys also doing that? Uh, we, we represent all the lodges in the area. We can put you in touch with the right people to, to go to the Nipigon River if you'd like or one of other other destinations that have brook trout. It's not, just not the Nipigon River. We have other areas with brook trout. Fantastic. What else do you guys, uh, where else do you guys go to film your program? Uh, we're North America wide. I was in Nicaragua last year. I was did Colorado last fall. We, we, we're all over North America. So Rebecca doing, uh, she's been out in California. Is that filming for the show? I know Rebecca has a new bow. <laughs> I'm sorry to break everybody's heart, but she's got a new bow and she's out visiting him right now. Ah, uh, okay. And getting to, to, to fish some of the best waters out there and she's sending some really nice pictures out. Yeah, she's got some steelhead that are just like perfect. <laughs> yes, yes. Where can we go to learn more about what you guys do online? Online, thenewflyfisher.com. Uh, we uh, we have uh, ties to a lot of our YouTube if you don't get the station. So we get full episodes on YouTube. Uh, check us out there. Anything you want to know about Ontario and, and, and the brook trout, we can provide you through the, through the website. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. All right, let's wrap the show up now. We have Reba again. How goes? It's going great. G-O-T-Y? Guide of the year. Oh, yeah. So how is it being the guide of the year? You know, it's kind of hard being a celebrity in this place and not getting paid. Well, you got paid with some bourbon. Yes, I did. I haven't really drank it, though. Do you have to fly back with that? <gasps> no, I'll put it in the car. I'll put it in the truck to get sent back. Market like dirty underwear and diapers. That's what you do and no one will mess with it. Like when you fly, just take a Hershey bar and like rub it on underwear and then put like your... This is what you used to do for Cuban cigars. No one will look at them. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay. So how was the show for uh, Hunter Banks? I knew. The show was great for Hunter Banks. It was our first year here. Um, we met a lot of people. We got to experience New Jersey. Um, I think New Jersey uh, enjoyed our southern hospitality. Were there any grits and biscuits up here for breakfast? Nope. So it was pretty rough? Nope. We all lost 10 pounds. I, the opposite for uh, everyone else. <laughs> no, it's been fun. We've had a good time. Um, great show. They did a good job with the women's forum here. 
So looking forward to the next one, Winston-Salem yep. and Pennsylvania. Lancaster. Lancaster. I'll be at Lancaster. I'll bring my bourbon. Nice. So were there anybody at this show that you met for the first time, sort of in the industry, notable people, social media? so many uh, too many to list it was nice to see you know the people I only see at these shows like Pat Cohen and um, uh, those guys over there where I just can't think of their names right now <laughs> uh, those guys so I met John Gyrak and Landon Mayer that was pretty cool uh, who did I meet in person um, I don't know there's I'm there's people out there it's just a lot of people out there. It's been a long couple of days. Let's just say uh, people are thankful they got to meet me finally. Awesome. Being guide of the year. Did you get a lot of selfies taken with you? I took selfies all weekend long. I cannot wait to make a scrapbook with them. Nice. All right. Well, I think I'm going to roll out now while it's still light out. And um, I need to go find something to eat. I am starving. Oh, go get yourself some uh, uh, grits and biscuits. That's a far drive. I'm headed that way down south. So, all right. Well, we will catch up in Lancaster. Thank you, Rob. Good to see you. All right. That's it, y'all. All right, now this, I think, will be the official last. We have Mr. Martinez here from Florida. We have some artwork. Let's talk about where you are and what you do and, and which booth you're at. I'm here with BTT. My name is George Martinez, and I live down in Miami, Florida. I paint fish for a living, mainly saltwater game fish, and uh, I'm partnered up with BTT now, letting them use my images to make you know, brandable posters and T-shirt designs to help with the fundraisers and bring awareness to help conserve our great fish. Fantastic. Now, I'm not going to take a picture of these because there's probably a copyright against that. No, you can take I can take a picture with you. I'll do that for the blog. So what's your, uh, you got a favorite medium to use? Uh, right now, my favorite medium is acrylic, just based on my time constraints of painting. Um, it allows me to work through a painting fast and get it to where I need it to be. And I'm just real comfortable with it. So that's like my go-to medium right now is the acrylic. Nice. How long does it take to do one of these? They're about two, a little over two foot by one foot. Yeah, these are uh, these that you're looking at are 12 by 16. It takes me about, I don't know, somewhere around 8 to 12 hours, but broken up into like three or four little sessions, you know? Florida humidity affect the paint at all? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, when it gets kind of cold, and or it's cold, but it's still somewhat damp, it takes a little bit longer to the paint for the paint to dry. So, what, What's cold for you guys? 65. <laughs> oh my God. Dude, you're just like uh, Travis Sand. He saw his first snow up here the other day. I did. He was freaking out. I saw it snow for the first time. I've, I've seen snow on the ground, but I'd never seen it fall. So it was my first too. Very cool. I was humming the song from Frozen. <laughs> That's what Travis and I were joking about. Do you want to make a snowman? Yeah. You can tell all of the ones that have kids up here. Yeah, exactly. Where can we find you online and social media? I'm on uh, Instagram under uh, jmartinez underscore art. Um, and then also on Facebook by my name, Jay Martinez, George Martinez. Um, I show at the Redbone Gallery in Isla Mirada. And other than that, I just, I got, you know, private collectors around all the fishing, all our, our local fishing destinations, the Keys, Florida, and then also Louisiana, Texas is a big market for me, you know, the Carolinas. So I have work all over the place, man. Fantastic. Well, travel safe back tonight so you don't have to see more snow. Thanks, man. It was good meeting you, and uh, stay in touch, brother. Right on. Greetings from the Jersey Turnpike. I would like to say that I am thoroughly exhausted, but having just eaten some Taco Bell and some Dunkin' Donuts, 
feeling a little bit better. I won't be gross talking about rubbing melted chocolate bars in your underwear to hide illegal things in your suitcases anymore. That was because I was dehydrated. We'll blame it on that. So yesterday, uh, like I said, it, it snowed yesterday. The roads were not paved, not paved. They were not plowed until, I don't know, like 10 o'clock in the morning. So there was a very small crowd. Um, I wanted to, you know, tie flies and, and sell them and share them with people and show them how to tie some of my crazy patterns. Everyone around me was tying like classic stuff and I was, uh, yeah, I was not. I was tying crazy urban snakehead bass striper flies. Today, on the other hand, was quite busy. But I'll get to that later. So the show ended yesterday. Apparently, um, everybody went to TK's bar and just got inebriated. But uh, Justin and I were just exhausted. We went back to Sinesta Suites, cracked open a cold can of Coors Banquet, and just hung out all night, uh, listening to music, both kind of just playing our, our different Pandora stations. He introduced me to some new band, and I introduced him to some. And about nine o'clock, we moseyed on over to Ruby Tuesdays, which I, that place is just disgusting. I've been to some good Ruby Tuesdays, I, if you can say they're good, but the place had limited menu items. It was just kind of nasty food all around. I, I was not a fan. And then it was, I don't know, 10.30 when we got back. So we crashed pretty early. We got up this morning and I definitely was not ready to get up at 7.30. I got up, uh, I don't know, like eight o'clock, went over to the hotel suite where they had breakfast and had another nasty frozen sausage and egg frozen biscuit thing. I'm pretty sure 98% of what I ate on this trip has been browned. I'm excited. I think I'm just going to eat butter lettuce for the next five days. Trader Joe's butter lettuce. The show this morning, it was packed as soon as the doors opened. We got there, right? It was, it was opening, set up. It was my turn to tie at the table. So I tied a bunch of flies, and today was the first day I actually started selling a bunch. Sold a lot of gutless frogs, sold a couple of damsels, a couple of bacon flies, and a bunch of reapers and curly tails. So that was pleasant. I enjoy adding some cash to the till when I can. And then Pat Cohen stopped by. You know him from RU Superfly. And I said, Pat, take a look at this Mead's Gutless Frog. How would you put your ultra suede legs on it? And he's like, fires off how he's like. So I would, I would cut the foam here and then I would stick them out of filament through and burn it and then pull this over that way and then stick it down and glue it and then melt it and burn it and color it. I was like, dude, can you just take it and do it? And sure enough, like 20 minutes later, he stops by with a, a gutless frog with Cohen creature frog legs on it. And it is ridiculous. I'm sure it can be thrown. I'm pretty eager to see how it works. I ended up buying a pack of his legs just to try it myself. It won't be as good as he did it, but should be pretty cool nonetheless. So where do I go from there? Um, had a couple podcast listeners stop by, so many thanks for that. Also had Kyle stop by yesterday. He's a, the lad who fell into the Salmon River like three or four years ago and uh, basically went completely under. And did a lot of walking today. You know, like I said, I was done at noon. 
So I packed up all my fly tying gear, my flies and my bin and had that stored. You gotta watch where you put your things where we were sitting because the casting pond was right behind us. And the casting pond also was leaking water. At some point yesterday, my Patagonia down jacket ended up in the casting pond and soaked up I don't know, a gallon of water. So it was, it was not fun walking around last night with a wet down jacket. So I went, did some shopping today. I went over and picked up 400 hooks from Fly Shack. I got two packs of size 10 barbed curved shrimp caddis hooks. Those are gonna be for damselfly orders for the shad run. I picked up some size 16 dry fly hooks for beetles and ants. And I also picked up intruder hooks or octopus hooks which you can use for intruders. A pretty darn good deal. Check this dude out on my shoulder right here. You can't see him coming off my left shoulder, man. You got some crazy drivers in Jersey. Pew! And I just got cut off. So I bought a bunch of hooks there, and I'm sure I'll buy a couple hundred more at Lancaster. Then I went around and I bought, like I said, the frog legs for frogs and I also picked up some frog legs and creature crayfish bodies for Potter of Frogman Outdoors. Speaking of Frogman Outdoors, I was talking to Finn. I don't know uh, what that, his company is just called Finn. He makes leader wallets, fly wallets, and like shooting head wallets. They're pretty darn cool and I don't know how we got talking about Frogman but he's like, hey let me know if you need anything for a donation. And I was like, dude, that would be awesome. He's like, yeah, just grab a, uh, a fly wallet. So I have a shearling and canvas fly wallet with leather strap on it that it's pretty awesome. So I will have his stuff up on the website and that will go up as a donation at the next Frogman Outdoors event. Went back over to Tight Lines of New Jersey and I picked up two ostrich plumes for damsels because Wopsy will not sell them directly to me. I've got to pay uh, marked up prices on those at the show. They're seven bucks a pop, but I can turn around and do about 150 flies from the total. I'm trying to think of what else I bought. Um, I bumped into Andrea Larko and Zeb Tonkovich from um, Andrea Larko Art and Snowman Custom Rodworks spoke with them a little bit it's always fun hanging out with them they are just they're just awesome her artwork if you see me ever comment on social media is that she has the Midas touch she can take the blobfish you know what I'm gonna email her and see if she can do the blobfish next that would be awesome uh, so I told her I was like hey I want to go get uh, you know a hat or t-shirt with your permit on it for my wife you know it'd be like the first time she'd ever wear fishing clothing She's like, well, if you order from Sims, it's gonna take months because people have bought all of them. So I wandered over to the TCO fly shop and picked up her, like a sky turquoise blue shirt with the permit on it. And George Daniel was there and I wanted, I've always wanted to talk to him. Just never gotten a chance. I decided to leave the show at about 3.30. So I, I just didn't have time to talk to George. Walked around, talked to some other people. We got uh, George Martinez. He's another artist out of Miami. Apparently I met him at ICAST last year, but I don't remember because there were so many people down there. I also got, as you know, uh, Reba was on there. And 
and there's other people I wanted to talk to, just didn't get a chance to, you know, talk to them. I wanted to talk to Oliver White's crew about all the lodges they run, but again, you know, when you go back to someone's booth to talk to them, they're just not there. That happens a lot of times. So it's like, come back, you know, later when, when I'm not so tired or there's not 50 people waiting in line to buy something. And uh, dropped off some flies for Sean Brillen to fish. And that's about it. Uh, you know, the whole show really does smell like ours. People, you know, it, the comment from one person was, it's the food they serve there. I don't know, but you will walk into just clouds of butt funk in the air. Just full on flatus. Like cumulo flatus clouds. It's disgusting. Um, definitely some interesting characters walking around. There's that one guy with the strange haircut. Um, you may call it a mullet. And I have no idea. It's it's like a 90 degree angle from the top to the back. Like he uses a T-square to groom it. It's bizarre. I don't know what the deal is. But it's one of the strangest hairdos I've ever seen. No, I can't make fun because I cut my own hair and it never looks correct. And last time I cut it, I wasn't even wearing glasses or contacts. So, well, yeah, what else happened to the show? I'll have pictures up. Yeah, I, I wanted to get pictures of everybody. Um, that's yeah, about it. I'm uh, 35 miles left until I get to Delaware gonna definitely enjoy these low gas prices unpack the car tonight i should be home just in time to put kiersey to sleep read her a book upload these files and send them off to jason um didn't get to hang out with jason and the guys as much yesterday as i wanted to so every time you take a step at the show you bump into somebody else that you know or you've met or just recognizes your name from somewhere like i said bruce corwin used to play with my cousins they played stickball in like the bronx as kids in the 50s so until the next show which will be lancaster and then hopefully we'll do some podcasting at the tie fest on march 7th uh, just don't think i'm going to be able to do the winston-salem show this was sort of a money pit for me ended up buying a lot of material we were supposed to have five people in the hotel suite it only ended up being two so we didn't divide the money as well as i thought but it was nice not having to pay for the first night's hotel room. Um, so looking forward to Lancaster. I like that show, it's cozy. I love the town, it's a lot smaller. It's a little more intimate. So if you are going to make it out, it is Friday or Saturday, Saturday February 29th, and then March 1st, I believe are the dates. So Jason, if you can clean up some of the audio, maybe we can uh, 86 some of the, the dirty underwear talk. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, we'll catch up with everyone later. I'm gonna do a Skype call with Dan Dow with Bonefish Tarpon Trust. So we'll get a nice in-depth talk about all the stuff they're doing. And we will keep plugging away. I think I'm gonna do a podcast as well on smallmouth bass. And the thing I like about doing these species-specific ones is I learn a lot from each species, and hopefully you guys are too. There's just stuff I didn't know, like that you're going to kill a bass if you fish for them in the wintertime. So with that, um, I'm going to pull into the Walt Whitman service area in five miles. I will not get a Cinnabon. I will not go to Roy Rogers. 
I will get my gasoline, as my roommate called it in college, and take off. Thank you for listening to this crazy, wacky stream of consciousness podcast from Lancaster. It was not Lancaster, uh, Somerset. And be lucky that if you're listening at home, or if you're shoveling your driveway, or if you're driving in your car, you did not smell what I smell in Lancaster. That's it. Take care. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowway.com.